You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hi, Christina. Well, hello. How are you? Very good, thank you. How are you? Doing good. I'm so glad we finally got to nail this in. Here we go. Uh, uh, oh my God. I've been so excited. So thank you so much for saying yes. I, I love your people. You guys are good people. Thank you. Which people? <laughs> oh, your publicists. Your people. <laughs> I love them. Because a lot of people say no. So thank you so much for saying yes. And uh, this might be weird, but uh, I, I don't like to read books. I like to like listen to books. So I was mm -hmm. like I was searching the web and I saw that you did you 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 read a book by R.L. Stein, which I was thinking of buying because you, you did it called The Dare. So it's a different Christine Moore. Oh, it's not you. Mm -mm. So oh, there's a. God. No, there's a television, there's a really pro prolific television director who's also Christine's, Christina Moore. There's a, a person who reads like really big novels and that is also me, but not me at all. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't buy it then because I only would have bought it <laughs> if it supported you. <laughs> maybe it's some, like another, maybe the other version of me is like great. Yeah, well, you do have a very good popular name. A lot of Christina Moore's out there, right? Right, yes. <laughs> there were two in my graduating class from high school. Oh, really? Holy mm -hmm. Well, and there were two in the state of Illinois that had my exact birthday, my exact name, and we were given the same driver's license number and didn't neither of us knew that and then eventually i got like pulled over for having a busted taillight or something and they were like oh you're you're wanted for i don't know we do arrest you or some craziness and then came and figured out that we were not the same person got that oh. sorted oh my god that's like major anxiety but also kind of funny you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> i mean no i think actually super funny super great yeah uh well uh I wanted to start with your TV stuff and then we'll move on to your movies because I think you're one of the very few people who have been in literally all the best sitcoms. Like, thank you. Yeah. Like in the, I, the olden days, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Friends, married with children. And, uh, you know, you did just shoot me and Will and Grace. I wanted to ask you about married with children because your scene in that episode is pretty ironic where, the wind blows off uh, your clothes. All my then, clothes, yeah. And I wanted to know, how is that like filmed or whatever? Because that was in the early 90s. So like, I didn't know, was technology that strong to, like, did they do it with fans or something? They did it with fans, but also um, like a breakaway dress held together with Velcro and then like, um, like fishing wire. I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. You know, it's kind of like invisible wire and then the fans go and then, you know, I sell it by blah, moving my body. So you're not really paying attention to where this stuff is, but it's a totally practical stunt. Not, it's not visual or CGI. I mean, yeah, long, long time ago. Yeah. 
But like, uh, so when you were starting acting, like that must have given you like so much good confidence doing all these hit shows because everyone watched those. So like everyone knew who you were. Yeah, it was a big deal. Um, it was a big deal. And it's it's funny. So there it, it doesn't exist anymore. Now it's a parking lot. But there was a building called Building 146 over at Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers Studios kind of had, not Mary the Children, but kind of had all the hots, all the hots at the same time. And the casting directors were all in one long hallway. And so really, by the time I had booked one, then that person told their friend, hey, this new girl's in town. You should have her come in for that. And like, I just honestly, I, I owe it all to that one hallway and all those very generous people. And I like went up one side and down the other yeah. booking really cool shows as like a really fresh, brand new nerd on the block. So, well, I thank think that. You. I think that's awesome because that also shows you that uh, networking really does help in this business, you know? It's huge. Yeah. It's the so. biggest thing we've got. It's personal relationships. Yeah. And you sure. did it, you did it before social media. So that's an accomplishment. Yeah. Olden days. Yeah. The olden days. <laughs> people would be like, Hey, it's either you or the lady who has a broken tail light. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, then uh, I, w- I would say your big role on the TV is uh, when you took over for that 70s show. So I wanted to know, like, uh, I know, like, you you took it over from someone, but I wanted to know, like, how was that audition? Did they just offer it to you or did you have to audition and did you study that character before you got it? So I had never seen the show. I didn't know how popular it was, which was kind of the the thing that happened. I mean, I was... You know, as a kid, moved across the country, came from Chicago. I was waiting tables from like nine in nine p.m. to three a.m. every night. I was going to acting class. Like, what I really wasn't doing was watching television. So, I had no idea how hot Friends was when I did it, and I had no idea what that '70s show was. And I just got an audition, and we knew we were replacing somebody. And I kind of made the decision, like, I I mean, really, I don't have time to try to figure out how to watch this and how to mimic this girl. And, like, I'm going to just do what I do. And if that works, then yay. Yeah. But I, I can't. I'm not, There's not enough time. And it's because I think, honestly, it was like, you know, you auditioned on a Monday and, like, by the next Monday, somebody had to be on set. They did not have time to, like, so there's this isn't, like, I'm Daniel Day Lewis and I go on a three month journey where I just <laughs> memorize every facial tick that she right. ever had. And I think they put out a pretty wide net to see if they could, you know, recast Lori Foreman. And really fascinating, really difficult job as it turned out, because there were a lot of personal reasons why they replaced the character. And it was something that they weren't comfortable kind of releasing publicly. So the fans didn't know that this was coming. Right. And so like the very first live taping I ever did, I came out onto the set and all of the live audience just booed, booed and screamed and freaked out. Oh my God. God bless Wilmer of Valderrama. He ran up and grabbed the microphone and said, you know, we have to welcome our new friends. Like, guys, I need you to be with me. I really need you to embrace this. And 
I'm not sure that they ever did. I'm not sure that the fans, the true diehard fans ever really got over it. I mean, there's only like 10 total times in all of television history that a character on primetime was like recast. It's like me and Darren from Bewitched. I mean, there's so few of them. And, you know, and all the sisters on Roseanne. Um, So... (laughs) And then Roseanne eventually. (laughs) Yeah, and then Roseanne eventually. Um, So it was a it was a fascinating, weird, wild gig. And I, again, did not know how popular it was till I was then on it. And yeah, game changer. Well, I'm so sorry you got booed because like I come from stand up and I remember when I first started stand up, like that was my biggest fear is like, what if people boo me? But I realized the more I did it, it never happened. And I always figured booing was like at sports arenas or something. So like now... You know what I mean? So now when you tell yeah, me right? you got booed, I was like, oh my God, that's terrible. I feel so bad for you. Well, thank you. I mean, I knew it really, yeah, it was not fun. I will, not a good time, but I don't don't think it was really personal. Yeah. You know, that by then it was season six, the fans were attached to those characters. Definitely, so. yeah. And then uh, you did a, a Without a Paddle, and I was wondering, was that your first movie or... Because I think that's a great, funny movie. Thank you. Um, It's funny. Kind of all of everything you're talking about really stems from my time on Mad TV. Yeah, we're going to get into Mad TV. So it it started it. And I think that there's not... I was was in a live sketch group with some girlfriends called Bitches Funny. And we were kind of all over LA doing live sketch. And... That's how I got on Mad TV. And really, like in the comedy world, it's like it's it's comedy knighthood. No one assumes that you can do sketch and write your own stuff if you're not like kind of really funny for real. And so that's kind of what led to that 70s show. It's very specifically what led to Without a Paddle because the director watched sketch comedy and those two jobs were happening simultaneously which is kind of almost never the case in Hollywood I happened to book them on the same day so typically it's like if you book one they own you and then when your offer would come in for the other it would be like I can't do it because the dates are going to conflict or whatever but the fact that they happened they both had to work around my schedule so Yeah, one of my super sexy moments as a human being was that I left a live taping to get into a limousine to go to the airport to fly to New Zealand to shoot a big feature film. Oh my God, that's awesome. And when we got to New Zealand, where we were shooting was so deep into the woods that we took a helicopter to set every day. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. My friend actually wrote without a paddle, uh, Fred Wolf. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, fun. Yeah, so like I love everything Fred does. So I think that he has like a good eye for comedy. Yeah, I mean, it was a great time. It was wild. It's kooky. It's a kooky movie. Yeah. I'm very happy to have been part of it. And then, like you mentioned, Mad TV, and I wanted to talk about that too. Was that like? Uh, did that give when you got on that show did that give you like anxiety and stress because with <laughs> with like with all this because con- you know how comedy is like so different one day and then the next day it's totally a new new thing 
It's yes. Again, I like I I gotta I gotta say I was blissfully young and dumb for a lot of my. I had not seen the show. I didn't really know what it. I mean, I knew what it was, but I didn't really know. I hadn't like researched it, so I just kind of showed up and was like. I mean, yeah, this is scary because you're expected to pitch stuff every week. You're expected to have new ideas. You you definitely have to have like an eye for news. And I would go to, this is old school. So like go to yeah. a magazine stand and buy 20 magazines. So I knew who was dating who and who had done something stupid and, you know, but so that was pressure, but I, I really had such a fun time. And I was part of kind of a new class, you know, like yeah. there was the OGs and then I was part of like the next gen that was coming in and we were all pretty fresh and new and it was, it was hard work, but it was, um, I didn't know to be scared. Right. I get that. I probably yeah. should have been. Yeah. I, I auditioned for the new reboot of it. That uh, Oh, sure. It happened, what, nine years ago? And uh, I remember... Yeah. Yeah, I did it just from a stand-up set. And when they said I didn't get it, I was like, oh, okay. Because I don't think I could even survive on something like that. You know what I mean? Because I'm not good at sketches or whatever. Sure. Or, or impressions. You know, I I I think, too, that Mad TV had a significantly different culture than, like, SNL, I think, everything I've ever heard about it, I think you probably would have a nervous breakdown. Like, I yeah. think that they... It's high pressure. It's high profile. You're, you know, you're working on these insane deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. I think Mad TV was kind of always a little bit under the radar, which gave it a little more grace or whoever was running it was just not nearly as like high pressure psycho. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you may have loved it. Uh, maybe I don't know, but I not that I call. I just called Lauren Michaels a psycho. That would be I shouldn't have that on record. But no, no, we'll get we'll edit that. And uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh no, I, I'm not. I'm no longer auditioning for sketch, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, but then you, uh, you did the Bad Girls uh, Guide, which I thought that's kind of cool because that was like a, the show where it was like, you're the one of the main stars, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where that, So like, mm -hmm. how, how is that transition where you're doing guest spots and now you have, you know, a, a show? You know I mean? Well, it's funny because I, you know, again, like there's a lot about, there's a lot about actors careers and especially like, you know, pre social media and pre like every single selfie blogging every single moment like I had had shows where I was the lead that were dramas previous to this time in my life. Like for whatever, I did a lot of sitcoms and then early on I did like three years of dramas and they happened to be like a show that went for a year on the CW or a show that didn't get picked up, but then I got paid to stay on. And the th so like, there was a lot in there that it was not, by no means was it like the first lead I had done. It's just funny because it's, it's later in my career. So like things are actually published and yeah. <laughs> you're, you're actually aware of it. Um, and it was a fun, I mean, it was a fun gig. It was based on a series of books. Um, Jenny McCarthy is a hoot. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's like a just full on like yeah. morning to night, that energy, that personality, big, 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 big person. 
I, re- I really like her because uh, her son has autism and I have autism. So I think she's like a very good spokesman mm-hmm. for, she is, for, yeah. for autism. So like that is something that I really like because I, I remember growing up, I was like, oh, I kind of wish she was my mom. You know what I mean? Like, oh, sure. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, but no, it's funny how you say like, you know, you've done stuff that uh, you were the lead that a lot of people don't know that didn't get released for whatever reason because that actually does happen and i don't think a lot of people know that you know what i mean like you could film something yeah there's tons of it and you know in again like i said in the olden days in the 90s in the 2000s (laughs) there was a lot more of it i mean you know each of those four major networks abc nbc cbs fox i mean there were hundreds of pilots every year that they were making and then, you know, only a handful would get picked up. And sometimes they would be like, well, maybe you're on the bubble. We might pick you up later. I mean, it was, it was definitely a massive heyday of paid television because there was a ton of opportunity and a ton of, a ton of spaces to kind of like work your craft and get up on all your skills and work your chops. But there was nothing kind of, I mean, again, there was no social media. So, like, who knew about it? You, right. your agent, and the head of CBS. I mean, <laughs> those are the only people who need to know about it back then. You know exactly. I mean? Exactly. So. And your mom, because you yeah. told her that you can pay your rent. That's it. <laughs> Have you ever uh, done a job and then, like, they called you and say, hey, we got to, like, uh, recast your part? Fire you? Yeah. 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 So, similarly to me being hired for two things on the same day, in, I think that was 2002, in the year 2000, on my birthday, oh my I was God. fired from two shows at the same time. Oh. So I had done a show in 1999 that they had kind they didn't pick up and they had kept it around and then they weren't sure of what they were going to do with it. And I went on to do another show for Lifetime. And on the same day, both called to say, we're not going to move forward with this one job. And if we do, we may go get somebody else. And then you're not moving forward, but the show is moving forward oh. on the other one. Yeah. Was I don't it? think that you're really an actor until you've been fired. And yeah. the better, the like the most, the more garbaging, punishing, shaming, the better. Just get it over with. It's yeah. coming. So was that your worst birthday you've ever had? Probably. Yeah. I mean, Probably. Yeah. I'm not a huge big birthday person, so I can't quite remember if there's a worse one. But that one, let's just say, yeah, that, pretty, that wasn't my fave. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty, uh, yeah. I'm not a big birthday person either. So, like, uh, yeah, I get that. And then uh, you also are one of the few people who did both the 90210 originals and then the... The, the reboot. The reboot. Mm-hmm. I was going to say a remake, but it's not a remake. It's a reboot. I'm not even sure if that's the right word because it's kind of, yeah, I mean, it's remake, reboot. It's almost like, is it a spin off, spin out, spin in? I don't know. Cause yeah. it's, right? Because like the ori- some of the original, original characters showed up as themselves, but it was not like, a, it was not a like flash forward where you know, this is Kelly and her child. Like it was a total refreshed imagination. And then eventually those old, this like old ladies showed up. Yeah. It's like the Marvel universe, but Beverly Hills universe. There you go. Beverly Hills universe. Yes. 
Yeah. So yeah. Uh, how how is that? Because on the on the reboot or the remake, whatever, you had a bigger part. You did more episodes. So that. that yeah, was- I mean it. So this is a fun fact. Um, I got my SAG card doing the original nine hundred two one zero, which yeah. is like that's that's you know you're like you're finally in the union. You're finally legit. I think I had a one day job, but like that one forever is a very special thing for me because it allowed me to go do all those other hit shows that you're talking about because I was legit. And then, yeah, to go back and do a reboot. I mean, I I enjoyed it. I loved it. I would love to do anything like that. Like, it's so fun to be in such a ridiculously over-the-top, fictitious world, fancy cars, stupid clothes. I mean, I think I left and moved to Paris because I had a migraine. Oh my like, god! I think that's what happened <laughs> to my character. Yeah, which is awesome because yeah. that's what everybody does when they get a headache. They just pick up and move to Paris. So like, I was I, actually going to move to Paris, but I can't afford it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you also don't have a bad enough migraine because then right. you figure it out. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, and then uh, you, you you did a Running Wild, which you you wrote, and I wanted to know because like I I like. I write scripts. I haven't sold anything, but I wanted to know, like, how did you get the idea to like, what made you want to start writing films? Right. That's a great question. Um, It's all, it's a, it's quite backwards for my trajectory. So I, I mean, obviously I had written sketch and I am into storytelling, but I would not categorize myself as a writer but more of a storyteller. And um, I had a friend who had a connection to a billionaire, which, you know, that's a fun thing to have. But he he had quite a few like social political things that he was really interested in highlighting, but not in a documentary side. It was like, we need a narrative story that like allows us to kind of point, shed a little light on this interesting thing And so it was like, well, there is this crazy wild horse population in the American West and, but nobody wants to talk about it. So can we make a movie and is there a narrative story? And so I just, I pitched a couple ideas like I would pitch a sketch only it's not funny. It's just like, well, what if this happens and what, and the, the idea I had was chosen. And so then I was connected with a writer and he and I wrote it together and then really what it brought on for me is that I had to do all the research and I had to connect with all the cowboys and I had to go do all like go to, you know, Oklahoma and go, I did all of that. So when it came time for the movie to go, I was like, I should really stay on as the producer. Cause I have all the, con- I, I, this is a very specific world and you can't just go like, okay, great. Somebody imagine it. Cause it's yeah. not, that's not how it's going to work. And my friend who was making the movie was like, but you don't have any, you don't even know the first thing about producing. And I was like, yep, true. I didn't know about writing either. So throw me in the deep end. And that was my first movie. And it starred Sharon Stone. Who you did impressions of. I had done impressions (laughs) of. Who's perhaps one of the more like brilliant and tough ladies on the planet Earth. So it was like baptism by fire. And then that really accidentally started an entirely other career for me like I've now produced 12 other films and a television series and like 
that's been my major bread and butter for like the last seven years. Yeah, definitely. So I, I wanted to ask you about writing because you said you you wrote this with someone else. Uh, how did you, like how does that work? Because like when I wrote uh, a movie with somebody else, but it was mostly his idea. Like he told me what to do, and I just put it in screen uh, play format. So I wanted to know like what was that kind of like how you guys did it? No, I would say that. And I think it's very different. Writing partners work in a myriad of ways. So yeah. we got together physically and sat in the same room to more or less break the story, break the three act structure that, you know, my idea was my idea was basically good enough for a first act. But now, like what happens after you, you know, oh, a woman lost her husband and she has got a horse thing and like, that's it. So now what are you going to do for the whole thing? But because it was a female lead and because I had done all this research, then I really had the information and specifically the character information. But he knew real screenwriting and real three act structure. And so we broke all of that down. And then I would say, you know, he did the majority of first draft. And then it was really up to me to go back in and change dialogue perfect dialogue stick to the female leading character like put her in a a very specific voice fact check every single thing about horses and hay and feed and like you know all of that stuff yeah well i I think like a lot of people also because like you see all these movies and sometimes they, they have like four or five writers and uh i think uh people don't really know like how much uh, part each writer did. You know, there's also some writers that they just sold the story, they sold it, they got fired, and they still have credit for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and traditionally, the one the one thing I have learned more as a producer than anything else is if you have two names and you have an ampersand in between them, it means they wrote together. Some version of a partnership, oh. they went back and forth, when it is when they're just listed in a row, it means one guy had it. Yeah. They they got fired or what, they punted it to the next guy. The next guy did a different thing, punted it to the next chick. She did a different thing. And so especially with big popular movies, oftentimes a director wants to do a pass. So yeah. their name goes on it or you have. You know, big studio movies, especially comedies, and I'm sure it happened without a paddle. You know, you'll get the story and the structure pretty well suited and you'll hire a team of punch up artists who just do jokes. Yeah. But they get their name on the script. Yeah. And sometimes they're not good jokes. <laughs> what do you mean? No, everyone's got always perfect jokes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think that's very um, that's very good because also a lot of, like, you know, when it says story by then written by, you know, there's a lot of confusion, you know on that like i go to school for screenwriting and i'm still confused by all that stuff you know what i mean so yeah yeah no i've had to learn a lot of it so that i know who to give credit to on my own films but and then uh i've i haven't seen this movie but but you did a movie called uh searching for fortune with john hurd and i wanted to like i love john hurd i thought he was like one of the best character actors of all time and I wanted to know, like, what was that experience? Because I heard he was also the nicest guy in the world. Nicest guy in the whole wide world. 
most interesting cat. I didn't actually have seen work with him, but I, I did meet him. I did. Um, I actually had him in another movie that I made afterwards. So oh, no, nice. he's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. No, he has since passed and that's unfortunate, but he's amazing. Yeah. I, I thought he was great in home alone. Like, Oh, know, like, he's, he's just... got so much good stuff that he's done. Right. Yeah. And then big, you know, a lot of people that that's what I like. That's what I like about character actors because a lot of people don't know who these people are. And it's like, I find them, they're really like the funniest people in the whole over the league. Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then uh, this movie I actually watched last year and I fell in love with it. And uh, mm. this is the movie that uh, really wanted me to talk to you. Uh, mm. I believe in Santa. I thought, oh, it was, I thought it was a yay. fantastic movie. I thought it was very funny. I thought you were great. And then I found out your husband wrote it. So I love your husband too, because I thought mm -hmm. that I think Christmas movies, um, Christmas isn't my favorite holiday, but I think that the movies, they really kind of give the spirit more meaning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, it's a, it's an extremely, extremely special project for me. So my husband wrote it, I produced it. And one of our very best friends in the world, Alex directed it. And basically Alex and John had, I mean, they've, they've co-written, we've, we've worked on, I don't know, probably eight different movies together. So it's, there's a longstanding kind of collaboration and Alex and John had this idea, like we really want to make a Christmas movie, but it's gotta be something different. And they like batted ideas back and forth over time. And then it was 2020 and there was a pandemic. And I don't know if you remember, I don't know, was it July when it was like, you can see your friends, but you got to sit outside. You have to sit away six feet away from each other. And so Alex yeah. was one of our first friends to come over and sit in the backyard. And like we did script notes on this movie. Oh, that's awesome. And it's, it's a bit autobiographical because when my husband and I met and were dating, he's a giant football nut. And I don't mean like a little bit. I mean, like we were dating, had a sexy summer. And then I, he like stopped calling me for two weeks. And I thought, Oh, he's ghost. Like what happened? And I went over to his house and it was decorated. Like a kindergarten classroom threw up football bullshit, like hanging from the ceilings. And he had six televisions installed and he, ran like a you know office pool I mean, it, it was bananas yeah and so it was like what can i can i stay with this guy who is now like a nutter for this holiday so we that was a little bit of the backdrop for i believe in santa which really like our dream for it was like yes it's funny it's like a 40 year old virgin like how does this older guy like believe in something but more importantly, a thought exploration and specifically coming out of 2020, like how can you be in a relationship with somebody who believes something so different than you do? Oh, turns out you just can, yeah. you know, and it was being fueled by George Floyd and all of the Asian backlash from Trump and his Kung flu. And all, I mean, like it was, it was all of that coming together and then Netflix agreed to make it. And then again, it was 2021, like November. 
and we got to handpick the crew. So not only were we got to be in it and Alex directed it, but the wardrobe, Elizabeth, Anthony Stavali, I mean, I could ray on sound, like every single person that was in that crew, Ruben, who was our cinematographer, we had done eight projects with each other. Like Michael Cooper did production design. Like I could go on and on. It was like, you got to hand chan, handpick your absolute favorite, tightest, sweetest group of friends and make something really personal. Yeah. Well, I, so I'm glad I, you loved it. I love, I loved it. Like I said, it's, it's probably in my top 10 Christmas movies. So I really it did like it. And uh, I've watched it about five times since. So it's really good. Yay. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I know you, I noticed that uh, you do a lot of movies that your husband uh, wrote and I wanted to know, like, uh, do you, because you also write movies, do you guys, like, when you're writing these scripts, do you guys help each other or run off the ideas, or do you just finish the script and then read it? No, I mean, I would say, again, it's it's us and then definitely our friend Alex. Like, we call it the story hut, but, I mean, I don't know. We're always writing, reading, giving notes, writing, reading, giving notes. Like, and it we don't usually wait to finish I mean, it likes to be the first 30 pages you know then who reads it who has a comment and then because there's three so obviously if it's two to one you're uh, you're you're wrong yeah <laughs> if we think that joke sucks and you love it but there's two of us like and then, i mean it's it never ends like we've got currently we've got about five going at the same time oh now, my i don't God. I don't typically put pen to paper, but I am the development executive. Like I'm always reading, always giving notes, always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So like when you, when you read scripts, like what, what's, what, like, what, I'm sorry if this is, if I don't phrase it right, but what like turns you on about a script? Like what makes you want to flip the page and, and enjoy the story? Right. Great question. Um, Well, it's hard because typically I know the basic premise. If it's one of, you know, if it's one of these internal ones, I know kind of like what the vibe. So then I'm just kind of like, is it well done? Is it concise? Is it well paced? Are the characters clear? You know, like, but if it's something I've never seen before and it's if it's an audition I'm going to get or like specifically last year, a girl, Ava Retke and I, I mean, we read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds to try to figure out what we wanted to do for a pitch deck that we would have like a myriad of projects that we could possibly produce. I would say it's the first 10 pages. Like if I'm bored or confused, I'm probably not going to keep reading it. If, if, unless it's like, I don't know, it's a job or it's a thing, but really it like, you know, I would say the first 30 pages is, is crucial. Yeah. Crucial, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I understand who it is, and I understand what the main conflict is, and we've hit the inciting incident. Then chances are, I'm curious to see what happens next. Yeah, uh, that. Thank you so much for answering that because I don't interview a lot of people in the writing field. Uh, you know, I just you know like comedy and acting, but like writing is something I really want to 
do. So like, right. I always, I always get scared because it's like, there's a tone to writing scripts. I'm not saying I'm the best screenwriter ever, but I know that there's a tone that like, if I write horror movies, I know I would only pitch it to people who like horror movies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I will say just because of the nature of my job, I've, I've kind of read it all now. Oh, nice. I mean, just, just, you know, are we going to make a horror? Are we, I mean, I am not a fan of the Christmas genre and I, but a good, a good, clever Christmas script can be, you know, magic. I've certainly, we used to do a ton of sports dramas, like, and true stories, um, some action, obviously because of my acting career, I've read millions and millions of comedy scripts. So yeah. Yeah. My my friend who I go on tour with, uh, his name's T.J. Miller. He was in Deadpool and all that. I stuff. know T.J. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has a great Christmas script. So if we ever <gasps> sell it, oh. Christina Morty, I'll be like, we got to pitch it. Yeah. You should, yeah. All right, definitely. And uh, so I have uh, two more questions, and then I have one funny question. So, you got it. Go for it. I, I, which one would you like? me to go first i don't know like i could anyone keep... okay i'm ready okay so here's the here here here's an, a real question uh christina do will you put in a good word for john to do razor riffs <laughs> oh yeah of course i would <laughs> oh okay excellent yeah uh, um if you could go into a time machine and talk to a younger version of yourself. It could be from yesterday or, you know, when you were young, what, what, where would you go and what would you tell yourself? I don't know why this is, this is my first blush. So always go with your first instinct. I'd go back to my college self and tell myself to make out with more people. I like that answer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the rest of it's all going to work itself out. Just you should have, you know, made out with a couple more Sigma pies. That's all. Uh, and then uh, this is the funny question. If you had a farm, but you only could farm two animals, which two animals would you farm? Horses. Horses. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a obvious. Um. Well, maybe horses and then like border collies. Aren't those the ones that like herd animals and like are expert animal herders and stuff like that? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't know. But yeah. But I mean. Well, either that or like truth be told, because I'm definitely allergic to almost all animals. So maybe the the only answer I could give you is like a poodle. Yeah. Oh, I, love <laughs> like I just have like a. <laughs> Like a poodle farm, because I'm I can't do cat. Like I'm really allergic to anything with fur. So, but if I could just look out the window and like, say, and that I'm running the farm. But yeah. if I have to be hands on, it's just it's probably a poodle farm. Oh, that's awesome! I would I would choose a, a spider because you have to keep <gasps> uh, you have to keep my pig. You know, uh, have it give him a oh. buddy. Right, Charlotte's Web. Exactly. Oh, maybe I should have had like a bee farm. I like honey. Oh, I love honey. Yeah. And then uh, the second animal is I would pick sheep. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
you know, in case I get tired, I could just count them. You're clever. Uh, okay. Well, where can, clever. where can the folks at home follow and support you at? Um, I'm on Instagram at Lady Christina Moore. Yeah. And again, we've we've gone over this that there's a million people with my name, so that's the only way to do it. Um, I actually do have a, a new movie that I produce that's coming out tomorrow. It's oh, holiday! How about that? Holiday in the vineyards. Uh, it's a very sweet, you know, formulaic rom com set oh, I... in the Christmas season. Oh, right. That's a that's a happy time. Um, we were able to make it before the actors strike. So we're one of the few that are ha- out for the holidays. Um, and that's kind of it. I, you know what? I um, tried Twitter and I'm not a fan. No, it's, it's getting, it used to be getting, cool, but, got yeah. kind of weird. but uh, yeah, kind I understand. Weird. I understand that. Hey, I do have one more question since you brought up your, this romantic yeah. comedy thing. Uh, who who's your like who's your favorite outside of yourself and your husband like your <laughs> like, like your favorite romantic comedy uh actor you you like like I don't know this one is easy for me because I I think I I think it's partly because I had no preconceived notions I just walked into a theater and I thought I was gonna lose my mind. I thought Lost City was Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum and Brad Pitt in the opening. Like, I've not laughed that hard and been that tickled kind of since, like, really old school shit, like Romancing the Stone and, like, iconic Bruce Willis. Like, I don't know that they've made him like that in a while. And I... So it's really my favorite, favorite genre for the rom-com is action-adventure rom-com. Oh, that's awesome. Like, I love that. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, I'm going to write an action-adventure rom-com for you and and your husband. I'm going to say, hey, let's do it. Please do. All right. Well, Christina, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me. I want to respect your time and your day. And I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was nice to meet you. Definitely. Have a great day. You too. All right. All right, Rifter, subscribe, rate, review, and we'll see you guys next week. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash KeithRaza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash KeithRaza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.